Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and I would like to welcome Lori Lewis to the show. Hey, Lori, how are you? Hi, Ella. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Lori, I'm really happy to welcome you to the show. Can you please tell everybody who you are and what you do? Well, now I'm a certified health coach specializing in intermittent fasting, and I get to work with people around the world. And the context of my work is that especially women, I say 44 to forever, you get to fall in love with your own magnificence and be in awe of what your body is capable of. And so together we address food choices and movement and meditation and sleep, but mostly how to eat in an eating window and why on earth would a person want to do that? (laughs) Yeah. How to eat in an eating window. Okay. I have to tell you, Lori, that there are some longtime listeners whose heads just exploded. They are probably in shock and awe that I am talking about intermittent fasting. And Mm. I hinted at that with you. I was like, look, yes, I want to talk about this, but I want to talk about it in a nuanced way. I want to talk about it for women over, you say 44. That's great. I want to talk about it for perimenopausal women. And I want to talk about it for women who are experiencing menopause. You know, I want to dive into some of the complications that come up for me personally. Maybe it's just me when we talk about intermittent fasting. But first, for anyone who's new to the subject, would you share, Lori, what IF or intermittent fasting is? Yes. So intermittent fasting is eating in a pattern of time. It's not a diet. And in our cultural conversation, we kind of collapse it with dieting. It's like, I need to lose weight. Should I try this? Should I try that? Should I try keto? Should I try intermittent fasting? Should I go be carnivore? Right. But intermittent fasting is a pattern of time. Technically in medical research, intermittent fasting, when you put rats on intermittent fasting, they eat one day, have a day off from eating fasting day, eating day, fasting day, eating day. Now it's just an umbrella term for us, mostly meaning that you eat in an eating window. There's a time frame of every day that you eat and the rest of the day you're abstaining. You're in a fasted state, which is the, your healing hours, your hours of repair. And then the eating window are your hours of pleasure and nourishment. But I always say, because people when they think about intermittent fasting, they think, gosh, aren't you going to be hungry? Isn't that going to be hard? And I always say intermittent fasting is a replenishment, not a punishment. It really becomes something that feels very good. In fact, when I started within three days, I was I was really beat down by perimenopause and menopause. And within three days of eating in an eating window, I suddenly felt like myself again. The brain fog lifted. I was like kind of back in my own body. So to feel that good so quickly. I knew this was something I wanted to keep doing every day. And I just hit my five-year, you know, eating in an eating window every day for five years. And there hasn't been one minute of it that was hard. 
There are so much there that I want to unpack because I have heard for a long time now that intermittent fasting can actually be harder on women, that it doesn't take into account hormonal fluctuations, that it's more straightforward for men, or that it's more detrimental during your years of fertility. There are all these all these layers on that conversation from a health and wellness point of view, Lori, but there's also something I really want to get on the table early. And that is that for a lot of people, people, intermittent fasting, no matter what the intent, intermittent fasting can trigger disorder. So I know that frankly, (laughs) spoiler alert, I very often stop eating before 6 p.m. Very often. And that's a personal preference for me. Great. But when I was focused on intermittent fasting, as per usual, it worked for me really well. So I like took it to 11 on a scale of one to 10. And then it started triggering a binge eating disorder that I had at the time. Now I'm no longer binge eating that, that I am four, maybe five years out from that period of my life. But I just want to disinvite a few people from this conversation, Lori, and I mean this in all sincerity. And those are the people who are still healing their relationship with food and for whom this conversation is a tripwire to dysfunction. Oh my goodness. Of course. Now a person who is that deeply dysfunctional eating, hopefully is working with a therapist, right? And so what you just said that was so important was that you said you took it to 11 on a scale of one to 10. That's the part. That's the part that's left over from the pressure of our society and diet culture and diet mindset and pushing, 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 pushing hard and more is better. That isn't what this is. What this is, is discover. this is much like sleep. Okay. So it would be so weird if I called you and I said, Ella, I heard about this thing. Okay. Do it with me. I'm going to try it out for a while and see if we feel better. What you do is when it gets dark out, lie down and close your eyes. And then you stay like that for a while. And then after a while, you open your eyes and you sit up and we're supposed to feel better. And, and it like helps you get through the day. Let's try it for a while. If it doesn't work, we don't have to do it anymore. That would be weird. Okay. Sleep is imperative. So is fasting. We just didn't know it. So fasting as a thing, fasting isn't a thing to try a thing to push with fasting is much like sleep. It is hours of the 24 hour period that our body requires healing. We just didn't know it. So if you can close your eating window today at whatever time you want to drink plain water, go to sleep early, have a nice sleep, wake up, drink plain water, have a cup of black coffee if you like coffee. And 12 hours later, just 12, you're asleep for eight of it. 12 hours later, drink your candy coffee or eat your breakfast. 12 hours later, you just intermittent fasted. You just extended your health span. You just extended your life, extended your lifespan. There's no hard push. There's no stress. It's gentle. And then people discover oftentimes that they feel better if they wait a little longer. So wait a little longer. That is what it's like to live a life of eating in an eating window, putting your body into this beautiful digestive hormonal rest, not a hard push. It's not the fasting Olympics. This is a gentle, nurturing nourishing replenishment. So this isn't a diet, it's a quiet. There's a reason that fasting is part of all meditation, religious, spiritual traditions, because it creates a quiet discernment where you can actually commune with your own body. That is awesome. And that is good for us. (laughs) 
But I want to talk about your own journey, Lori. And I really want to talk about the concept of intermittent fasting when it comes to sort of this age group that we've already identified. Mm -hmm. First, I have to ask, what was your life like before this became a part of your toolkit? And how did your life change? Well, I always felt when I was a kid and as adolescent and in my 20s that I struggled with weight, but I was never obese, but it was always on my mind. So even if you look at someone and they look slender to you, you don't know the mental noise that is going on, the pressure, their childhood, their relationship with food. So my weight was, it was just always a struggle, but I was never obese. And so I would fluctuate between, you know, I was a runner and then I wasn't, and I was a runner and I wasn't. Then in my late twenties, I woke up one day and I had this thought, I think this diet Coke isn't so good for me. (laughs) It's like, hmm. So at that time, I just kind of cut out all sweetness, Diet Coke, sugar, all of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm done with that. So then I became really interested in nutrition. I then went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York because they have an incredible program. And people were like, you're going to be a health coach. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just doing it because I love all this knowledge. So interesting to me. So in my early 40s and mid 40s, I was lean and slender. I kind of was at the top of my game in my early mid 40s, running marathons and eating well. And perimenopause was really challenging. So for people who don't know, when you're kind of before 40, you're in it's pre-menopausal. And then when your hormones start shifting, it's perimenopause. And then there's a moment in time when you haven't had your period for a year. Menopause, <laughs> and then you're postmenopausal. So, I struggled for five years in perimenopause with massive hot flashes and depression and brain fog and moodiness and all, you know all the boxes I could check them off. And I couldn't wait for menopause because I'm like, yay, it's all going to be over. And then I went into menopause early at 49, and I gained 50 pounds. So not only did I gain 50 pounds, which wasn't fun, didn't feel good. It was very mysterious and frustrating. I had massive brain fog, memory loss, and I was aching head to toe, like literally every joint, every tendon. I had plantar fasciitis, my shoulders, my elbows, my knees, my hips. So I was a hurting pup and I struggled for four and a half years. And people said to me, wait, you're the healthiest person we know. How can you gain all this weight? And it's not even just the weight. It's that I don't feel well and I don't feel like myself. I felt like an alien took over my body and I wasn't in my, just wasn't myself. I went home to Colorado where I grew up and you'll love this. My mom said, my mom, it's amazing. She said, let's use this time that you're home to turn the weight around. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was 54 and I turned into a wailing temper tantrum five-year-old, like shout out to mom. Like I know that night I Googled the same thing. I swear I've Googled a million times, which was hormonal menopausal, Mm -hmm. stubborn fat. Help me. I want to feel better. And up popped this idea of intermittent fasting, which surprised me because I've been studying nutrition for all these years. I mean, I felt like I do everything and I tried everything. So what was this that you could pause from eating and heal and eat later in an eating window? So I stayed up and read and learned about it and watched some videos. And the next morning I shared with her that I had learned about this thing. I found an answer. And she, I was like, I guess I won't have breakfast. <laughs> Don't offer me any toast. And it was pretty easy because I actually like black coffee. And uh, most of my life, not even been hungry in the morning. I just extended the fasting hours and shrank the eating window and discovered as, as we all do our 
our sweet spot, like being in a groove, which isn't a hard push. There are moments of hunger feelings, but they come and go. And um, the beautiful thing is to understand if we can understand what's actually happening in the body and the deep cellular repair and the hormonal balancing. So what happened was pausing from eating didn't cause haywire with my hormones. Hormones are like a network, a hierarchy of chemical messengers, and they got sorted out and started doing their jobs well and communicating effectively with one another. And I felt better in three days. I'll share my experience and that I have had benefits from 12-hour breaks to 16-hour breaks. Now, I, in the summer and in the spring and summer, train for triathlon, and I'm not even remotely concerned about condensing my eating window. I got to be honest with you. Now, that doesn't mean I don't. It just means that it's not an effort. It's not something I think about. I wake up hungry and I eat. I do try to stop eating earlier on days where my schedule is within my control because I feel better. It helps my digestion so much to eat an early dinner and then just stop eating. Like it's been so good for my gut health. But I just want to go on the record and say that we are all different. So whatever's working for Lori is not the formula. Whatever's working for me is not the formula. In my opinion and in my experience, the best thing that you can do is try and listen and be self-aware and dial into you. Lori, what would you say to that? Well, Dr. David Sinclair, who's one of the world's foremost experts on longevity, says, you know, first off, human beings have survived throughout eons being cold and hungry. We actually get stronger and brighter and fitter and more productive and effective when we're in a fasted state. We make new brain cells. Our cells clean out. Human growth hormone ramps up exponentially. The other thing he says is if people want to feel better right now, today, and they want a longer health, a better health span and a longer lifespan. The number one easiest thing you can do is intermittent fast, eat in an eating window. Now, is that the same for everyone? No. So if you are, if you've read Dr. Jason Fung and the obesity code and the diabetes code, and you're someone who's dealing with urgent health issue, and you go to his clinic or work with a it's people in Toronto, they will probably put you on a 36-12 starting on day one. That means 36 hours. Like you stop eating Sunday evening and you fast all day Monday and you eat on Tuesday morning and you have an up day on Tuesday, a 12-hour eating day, and then you do it again, 36-12, 36-12, because it's urgent. Other people may be marathon runners and triathletes and have, you know, 12% body fat. And those people may close their eating window at 6 p.m., as you've said, and sleep well and wake up early. And of course, Ella, when you wake up, of course you're hungry because 12 hours is about the time when your body has used up the food that you just, you ate, you, that you last ate. And your blood sugar is about to tap into your stored glycogen. And at the times that the body shifts fuel sources, it asks for food. So it is very predictable, the timing of when hunger arises. So of course you're hungry at 12 to 13 hours. Now, could you keep fasting and that hunger would subside? Yeah, for sure. But if you are fueling for this training and you have very low body fat, then you should eat. So 
it is a very standard intermittent fasting schedule to do to do 16-8, which would mean a 16-hour fast and an eight-hour eating window. For women in menopause who have hormonal imbalances and perhaps have a significant amount of weight to lose, I think fasting longer would serve you, but you should work up to that. And that's why, I mean, that's why I love my job is because, you know, I'll be in my group programs and I'll be coaching someone, you know, one-on-one when the group is listening and I'll ask a lot of questions and I'll make my recommendation and they'll, you know, agree or we'll talk about it and send them on their way. And someone else will be like, wait, you just told those two people to opposite coaching. I'm like, right. Because they're not the same person. <laughs> Let's share what happens to your body when you take a break from eating. And it's so funny to me because this conversation wasn't being held a hundred years ago because <laughs> People did not have access 24 hours a day to food. And we've done ourselves a disservice in that regard, Lori. And I'm sitting here thinking, I've worked from home for the majority of my career because because I'm self-employed. But for some reason, I found the past two and a half years, three years, very challenging because my access to food, you know, I wasn't traveling. So my access, I needed to socially distance from my refrigerator. The access was there. 24 seven. And I found myself almost conditioned that when I passed through the kitchen, which was quite frequent, I would eat something. That's not cool. <laughs> but people do think you're listening to your body. I got hungry. So I ate, I got hungry. So I ate, I got hungry. So I ate. It's like, Whoa, that is, that's what we need to break apart. So one of the reasons right now that we are perpetually constantly hungry is because eating all the time creates more hunger and the body's really smart. It's like I could shift to use the fuel I have on board, but I kind of don't want to, but because if I scream loudly, you will put food in me and that's a lot easier. So there is an adjustment period. Now I know I said I felt better in three days and that is for sure true, but there's an adaptation phase of when a person starts intermittent fasting, if you either, if you start gradually or you rush right into 16, eight, um, by gradually, I mean, 12, 12. And that's hard for some people. Some people are like, they eat or drink flavored drinks right up until they go to bed. And the minute they wake up. And so that could even be just seven hours. So getting to 12 can be challenging for some people. Okay. So what's happening in the body is it's shifting fuel sources. And in the beginning, it needs to use up the stored sugar, the stored glucose called glycogen, mostly in the liver. And every day when you're a new intermittent faster, it's chipping away at that stored glycogen. And somewhere around two or three weeks, depending on how long you're fasting and what you're eating, glycogen runs out and the body really screams for food, but it's not, it's kind of short-lived. It's like a hunger wave. And so especially new intermittent fasters want to be mindful of getting sufficient sodium and magnesium. And if you feel woozy or have a headache or feel a little shaky or ravenous, you should eat. You didn't fail. See, this is where the dismantling of diet mindset, diet culture, diet pressure starts is when you feel hungry and you can start to feel the difference between it's a hunger wave or actual hunger. <laughs> you should eat. You didn't fail. You didn't ruin anything. You didn't screw up. You shouldn't just give up because you ate at 14 hours. You know, So this is where the gentle 
the being good to yourself, the nurturing, the nourishing. And um, we really want to keep insulin low because insulin is the fat storage hormone. And the way that we do that is we pause from eating for a while and let insulin come back down. Most America, most people in our Western culture are insulin resistant. We have too much high circulating insulin and it's not regulating the blood sugar. So what we want to remember is that when we consolidate our eating, we're really taking advantage of this beautiful dance between fat burning, which gives us this great energy. It's amazing, abundant fuel source on our body that we can tap into because we're fasting. And then we get to eat later and really enjoy our food. Lori, what is insulin resistance and why is it so prevalent right now? It's prevalent because we eat all the time and because we eat ultra processed food. So insulin grabs blood sugar and brings it back down. But what happens is when the the cells are screaming for more insulin, but it's locked out because we're eating all the time, then the body is screaming for more insulin. The pancreas is cranking out insulin. And then we have high blood sugar and high insulin. So people think that type two diabetes is a matter of super high blood sugar, which it is, but it's also a matter of super high circulating insulin. So if people look into Dr. Ben Bickman and his book, Why We Get Sick, I really recommend that in tandem with Dr. Robert Lustig's book, Metabolical. And then of course, Dr. Jason Fung, (laughs) the obesity code and the diabetes code, we get a very clear understanding that the issue isn't the blood sugar. The issue isn't the obesity. It's the underlying pathologies of high inflammation and high circulating insulin. So what's the one thing you can do to lower inflammation, lower circulating insulin and boost immunity fast? (laughs) What happens on a cellular level when our bodies are not in the consuming and digesting process? We're in cleanup mode. We're in cleanup repair mode. So when you're fast, there's a phenomenon called autophagy which down-regulates, basically stops when you have any food flavors or nutrients. So if you can put yourself in this clean, fasted state and you can motivate yourself, not push, motivate, be good to yourself. It's all about feeling good, not being good. If you can think about that fat burning and that deep cellular repair of autophagy, we all have cancer cells in our body. And when we put ourselves in a condition of rest and repair, our body is finding them and breaking them apart and cleaning them out and pushing them out. Dr. Fung also has a book called The Cancer Code, which would kind of be the third one that you would read in the lineup of Dr. Jason Fung. And so autophagy for me is incredibly motivating. And I can't see how it's working on the inside of me I can see my numbers, my liver enzymes and, you know, my inflammation and so forth, but I can see how it's working on the outside of me. You know, I had a bump on my knee since 1977. I'm 59 years old. I'm looking 60 right in the face, right? I had this bump on my knee since I was 14. (laughs) It's not there anymore. I had a cyst on my spine, a big one, like almost the size of a golf ball. It was painful gone. I mean, my hair is thick. My nails are thick and strong. You know, my skin is smoother. My eyes are brighter. My eyesight's improved. My dental cleanings are quick. My gum health is better. Everything in my health, since I've been intermittent fasting for five years, everything is better, but I can see it externally that the effects of autophagy, and that's really motivating. And it's not just motivating because the numbers are good or my skin looks 
good. It's motivating because I feel so incredibly well. I can drive across the country for 13 hours at a time and have no aches and pains. Whereas before I couldn't sit for 10 minutes without having my hips hurt. So I want people to feel that well. Yeah. And I am all about sharing concepts that people can take or leave that can help them dial into their most vibrant self. So for some people, this may be a missing link. I would love to ask you what people should consider about intermittent fasting when they are in fact over the age of 44. A woman at 44 has compounded a sufficient amount of stress. (laughs) There's a reason in perimenopause that, I mean, just think about the women that you know, age 46, 47, 48, 49, all of a sudden autoimmune diseases, just a absolute utter and complete exhaustion. And couple that with, you know, the hormonal flip of perimenopause, the body's like, I can't take it anymore. I, can't, I just can't take it anymore. It's too much. And so with the constant stress and the chronic rise of cortisol, and then the flip of progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen, as well as all of our adrenal function and wow. Okay. So I don't want to scare anyone about perimenopause, but what I want to say is this is the time. This is the time to start taking really good care of yourself. We're going through a threshold. We're going to come out on the other side, like kind of into another room, maybe it'll feel like another planet. And for the next 50 years, could we use this time to learn how to be gentle and good to ourselves? Now we think being gentle and good to ourselves means either being lazy or like, we don't really care as much. We think if I care about how I look and I care about my fitness and I care about my health, I have to push hard. Nope. Nope. That has a detrimental effect. You know, I want to circle back to what you asked initially about eating disorder, because one of the, you know, if someone's therapist is like, no, do not eat in an eating window, even if it's just 12 hours, don't do that. You should listen to them. But what most people, men included, share regarding their experience with a healthful, mindful intermittent fasting, eating window, you know, fast, clean, eat in an eating window practice is our relationship with food heals. Our relationship with our body, our view of our body, what we expect of our body, and our relationship with food. So we're no longer dependent on someone else telling us what to eat. There's a phenomenon called appetite correction. Another doctor, Bert Herring, who wrote AC, The Power of Appetite Correction, explains how we have an apostat, an appetite center in our brain that is out of whack right now because we eat all the time and we eat ultra-processed food. We actually are like a wild animal, like a lion, knows when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat. We have the same ability. So when appetite correction starts kicking in for an intermittent faster, they're always astonished. They're like, she talked about that. She talked about how my body would tell me to stop eating and steer me towards certain nutrients. You know, suddenly people start liking Brussels sprouts, which is weird. When that appetite correction kicks in, And then we become practiced at hearing the communication from our body of what it wants and how much it wants. That's an exhilarating way to live. And our relationship with food heals. Two insights that I want to share or experiences rather that I want to share is one is when you feel terrible, it is so hard to commit to positive change, which is a really unfortunate truism for many people, because wouldn't it be so great (laughs) 
that that's when you want the positive change. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could sort of beat ourselves into taking care of ourselves? But the truth is it's mm. so much easier to take care of yourself and to invest in yourself when you feel like when you see a little bit of light. One thing that creating an eating window helped me with Lori, and I'm not speaking in absolutes here. I, I do things in seasons. So there was a season where it helped me feel so much better that I started believing there was an end to the madness. I started believing that I was designed hmm. to feel good. I started believing in myself again. I started believing that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. I think I'm repeating myself, but the bottom line was, you know, just from a purely practical standpoint, I was condensing my eating window. So I was giving my body rest that it had not been getting. And I was allowing it to digest properly, something that I had really been screwing with for, for, for a very long time. And so small wonder that I started to feel better. And it was a gift that showed me just enough light to keep going. So I, I wanted to share mm. that experience. It's not advice. I just wanted to share that experience, Lori, because I think that you're describing a similar phenomenon with yourself. Even you said, I believe that you felt an impact in three days. I don't think your life was mm -hmm. changed in three days, but I think you saw what was possible for you in three days. Is that fair? Yes, but it was a feeling. So, it, you know, thoughts and feelings and emotions arise together. And the feeling was, oh, there I am. And you know what you didn't say, Ella? You didn't say the scale told you how you were doing. No, no, it would, that'd be hard because I don't have one. But people, people look to the scale to tell them how they're doing. And then they decide I shouldn't ever eat that uh, that I ate yesterday because the scale told me, no, it doesn't know. I want you to eat whatever you ate yesterday and to tell me how you feel. Are you achy, puffy, ravenous, moody, fatigued? Did your belly suddenly pop out when you ate that? I mean, how do you feel? The scale doesn't know. Now, the scale is one data point, one measure. It's interesting to follow if it's gradually, gently going down, if you happen to have weight to lose. That's informative, but your health markers and your waste, you know, you asked, we talked about insulin resistance very briefly, but one indicator of insulin resistance is your waist to height ratio. So blood sugar, blood pressure, triglycerides, HDL, A1C and fasting insulin number and waist to height ratio. You look at all those things and you determine if you're insulin resistant, which most people are, and you can turn those numbers around by eating in an eating window. And the place to look for how you're doing is really how you feel. I have a very random question for you, Lori. How does alcohol fit into an intermittent fasting picture? Because I mean, I actually prefer to eat early, so that's not an act of discipline for me, but I enjoy a glass of wine with my husband and that's happening after an early dinner. Therefore, right. that's not, inter I'm pretty sure intermittent fasting isn't <laughs> condense your eating window, but hey, go hog on wine. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's look. What has you feel really well? So the things about alcohol are, yes, it extends your eating window. Hmm. Yes, it probably makes you want to eat more food. Yes, your body processes alcohol before the food because it wants it out of your system. And then it stores the food that you ate as fat. Interesting. So you look at, do I want all those things? And how do I feel in the morning? And sugar, caffeine, and alcohol all make menopause much harder. 
So does that mean, oh, Lori Lewis just said I can't eat sugar and drink coffee and drink alcohol. No, I, I mean, didn't. You're really, you're really, no, I didn't. Here. I know exactly. It's all you get to say how you feel. You look at your goals. You look at what the day holds. You know, one of the questions I ask myself, you know, when stress arises, we get hungry feelings. That's physiological. And so if I'm suddenly hungry, I ask myself, is this hunger? Are these hunger feelings because I'm stressed, sleep deprived, anxious, sad, think I deserve reward. I'm trying to avoid something like, what is this hunger? And then I ask myself, given what I have to do and handle over the next few hours, will I be feeling better? Will I perform better? Will I be at my best in a fed state or a fasted state? And there's no right answer. I could eat or I could keep fasting. Mostly my body will tell me that I will feel and perform and be at my best if I keep fasting and eat later. And then then I think about "Mm, what yummy food am I going to be eating later? Yay. Can't wait for that. And so you asked about alcohol, have a glass of wine if you like a glass of wine, and then notice how you feel. And people keep drinking, plenty of people, plenty of people are like, yeah, that's, that's not serving me so much. (laughs) So drink early, (laughs) drink early and drink quickly. No, 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 no. Don't erase that. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But there's a tiny bit of truth in what I'm saying. And what I mean is in all seriousness, even when I go to a long leisurely dinner and I'm enjoying myself and I'm not worried about an eating window because I'm being really present in the moment. It's a special, you know, it's a social event or something that I'm enjoying. I still prefer to have that glass of wine and then stop. So you won't, you won't see me drinking into the night, which makes me sound really boring, but that works for me really, really well. I don't think that makes you sound boring. I, I knew think you that were makes say you that. sound like a person <laughs> who's aware. It's rare to have one glass of wine and stop. If yeah. people will think and notice, that's hard to do. So, so each individual needs to decide for themselves how much, how often, if at all. Well, and I know I've taken us down a rabbit hole here, but I'm super I love interested. It. Yeah, and I'm I'm genuinely very interested in the healing benefits. I always struggle with the word autophagy. Am I saying that correctly? It well, in other countries they say autophagy. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't, so, I can't get behind that. Are you okay with I autophagy? Know. No, autophagy <laughs> is how I say it. <laughs> I just, I've read so much about it over the years, but to me, the healing benefits and the longevity benefits are real. They are science. I'm super interested in them. And I also know because I'm 48 and I want to head into this next phase of my life optimally, you know, and I balance that Lori against a real desire to experience pleasure, to enjoy my life to not have discipline Trump experiences. And I believe it's all there and it's all possible for us. And I believe personally that the key to this is self-awareness, doing what works for you, but that is predicated on awareness and paying attention and dialing it in and doing nothing on autopilot. It also requires dismantling the belief that taking good care of yourself is some sort of deprivation and I won't be any fun and it's going to be painful and I'm going to be sad. And taking good care of yourself is, it's just not any fun. You know, did you ever notice that when we're going through stress and we're having a really hard time in life, the thing that we do is we actually stop 
taking good care of ourselves. We actually start doing things that are bad for us when we're going through a stressful time. We are funny animals, aren't we? At the time when our body, our minds, our emotions, our spiritual self really requires that we give ourselves some nourishing and some nourishment and some kindness, we treat ourselves like absolute crap. Ah, So the most important aspect of, I think, this shift at the age that you are and 44 to forever is that there's deep pleasure and satisfaction in taking good care of ourselves. And so if you look at all of the facets you know, kind of like a, take a circle and make pieces of a pie, nutrition choices, movement, meditation, I call it quiet time. So meditation, prayer, journaling, time in nature, play time, hydration, movement, you know, all of the, And you think, well, wait, where's fasting? And that piece is fasting a piece of the pie. No, I think fasting is the crust. So fasting, having an eating window and that healing hours of repair when you're not eating or taking in any nutrients or flavors is the thing that makes everything better. When that eating window is your sweet spot, not the fasting Olympics. Lori, thank you so much for what is truly an insightful conversation. I hope this starts a dialogue. I'm here to answer questions and to take your questions for Lori. Lori, you work with people all the time. Where can they find you? I work with people all the time and it is the great joy of my life. I have client in Kuwait and New Zealand and Japan and the US and Canada and everywhere else. So my business is called Fast Forward Wellness. So it's fastforwardwellness.com. I see what you did there. Yeah. And you can download a free guide on how to start and some of the benefits. And um, I just love, 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 love having a dialogue with people. So write me and Lori, thank you very much. Thank you. What a pleasure. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.